Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Cole McNeely. Coming up, we'll take a quick look at one of the top stories from TheCenterSquare.com, and later, regional editor of The Center Square, Bruce Walker, and Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount will take a deeper dive into some of the top stories of the week. Coming up right after this on Wisconsin in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com. The latest round of coronavirus relief money in Wisconsin is going to minor league baseball teams, movie theaters, and summer camps. Governor Tony Evers on Tuesday announced $14 million in what he is calling tourism grants. Movie theaters are getting the most money, $10 million in all, while minor league sports teams will split $2.8 million from this round of coronavirus relief. To read more about this story and many others, visit thecentersquare.com. Now for a closer look, it's Bruce Walker and Ben Yount. Thank you, Cole. Welcome to this week's Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for The Center Square, and I'll be chatting with Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount, as I do every week, for the next 20-some minutes. We're recording this conversation on Thursday, December 9th, 2021, which means we're getting frightfully close to Christmas. Uh, Ben, how are you today? Well, I'm, I'm looking at three naked trees. So at, a, at some point between now and Saturday night, uh, I think the expectation is that I'm supposed to put decorations and lights and the like on the trees. I, I can get the lights on. That's not a problem. But I, I as, a, as a married man, I, I know enough to not decorate the trees without direction because I don't want to be told again and again and again that I put that, that ornament in the wrong side and that ornament goes on that tree and this tree needs to be moved over there. Uh, I, you know, I, I like, like any good union job in state government, there has to be a couple of workers and a supervisor and a 15 minute break and, uh, you know, contract negotiations and the like. So hopefully here we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get some trees up before Christmas this year. Well, you have young children as well. Am I correct? Yeah, I got kids, kids still at home, although they're, they're in that, they're in that no, no longer excited for Santa phase. They're just like, all right, we, we just want money. Yeah. yeah. But don't you have to take oh. out their grade school Christmas tree ornaments. Yeah, and, well, and, and, those have always and, been my favorite. I've I've always right. liked the family ornaments, the sloppily made puppy dog uh, ornaments, and the the pictures where they're just sort of staring off into space. Yeah, I those ones I like. Uh, it's it's the we we have a a red and silver tree, and then we have a. Uh, a, a sort of multicolored tree where, where all of the ornaments on one tree are red and silver. And then the other one is purples and blues and greens and and silvers. It, it, it looks very, very, very sharp once it's put together. But, oh, it's just such a pain. Just such a pain. Well, Ben, let, let, let's kick this conversation off from uh, the Ben Yount, Wisconsin in focus, Christmas tree forest. <laughs> What 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 are you 
What's uh, coming across your radar this week? Well, a, a story that I'm working on today as we tape is a reaction to the latest in, and I know you'll be surprised to hear this, Bruce, the ongoing investigation into the 2020 election here in Wisconsin. Oh, no. You just blew my, my headphones off. I, yeah, this is, the, this, is, this is a story that we can literally just circle five minutes in the podcast and just be like, all right, so what happened this week? The latest came uh, yesterday, Wednesday. The Wisconsin Elections Commission came down with a ruling that is going to probably make some Republicans upset, but is also going to be a, a I told you so. They agreed with an internal recommendation, and that, that's, a, that's a key point that we'll get to here in a second, that the $8 million that the Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Tech and Civic Life spent in Milwaukee and Madison, Green Bay, Racine, and Kenosha, the so-called Zuckerbucks, while that money is not technically legal, it is also not technically illegal. It lives in that gray space of, well, Wisconsin doesn't specifically prohibit outside groups from giving money to local election offices. And so, therefore, the commissioners agreed with an internal review from a, a staff attorney that said, and, and, and here's, here's the quote, and this is government speak if I've ever heard it. The commission finds that the complaint does not raise probable cause to believe that a violation of law or abuse of discretion has occurred. This, of course, was in a ruling that dismissed a number of challenges to the Zuckerbucks. Some, some Republican advocates, private attorneys were challenging this before the Elections Commission. They essentially wanted commissioners to say, yeah, no, you can't do that. You, you can't have an outside group come in and spend millions of dollars and in some cases ostensibly take over election operations. And there's no problem, does not raise probable cause to believe that a violation of law or abuse of discretion has occurred. Violation of law is clear. There is no law that talks about the sucker bucks. This idea of abuse of discretion, though, that is what's going to raise some feathers. And I'm going to talk with the, the usual suspects, State Rep Janelle Branch in here in a little bit. And so I expect her, I expect her reaction to be, well, we, we've been talking about this. And this is why Republicans have said for weeks, months, almost the past year, that they need to clarify state law. This, of course, comes on the heels of a months-long review by the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, Will, that looked at the 2020 vote and looked at all of the complaints and came to the conclusion that most people have had in the state that, yeah, there's no direct fraud. There's no evidence of voter fraud that somehow stole the election for Donald Trump. Joe Biden really did win. But Will's review also found the exact same huge opportunities for fraud. And that's been the theme since this time last year, certainly January of this year, the opportunity for fraud. And they talked about absentee ballots, indefinitely confined voters. They talked about Zuckerbucks. They talked about the use of ballot drop boxes. And, and the will review, just like I'm imagining lawmakers are going to respond to this newest uh, decision from the Elections Commission, is that lawmakers have to tighten up the election laws. That what happened in 2020, it's very clear from almost every review, almost all of the evidence that we have seen from Mike Gableman's investigation, from the investigation out of Janelle Branchin and, and, and her committee, from the investigation, the questions asked by the Wisconsin Senate, all of this shows that while perhaps no one really 
broke the law. They certainly walked on that line between is it legal or illegal, right or wrong, and they exploited loopholes. The, 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 the professional campaigners who came into Wisconsin in 2020 saw loopholes, realized that, that there was this gray area, and they lived exclusively in that gray area. And, you know, I mean, we're talking 200 something thousand people who claim to be indefinitely confined, many of whom who didn't show a voter ID. And that's almost enough votes to, to flip the state. Now, that's not going to happen. We're, we're, Joe Biden's president. But lawmakers, Republicans are saying, look, we've got real issues to make sure the 2022 election is secure and the 2024 election is secure. But as we've fallen down this rabbit hole time and time and time and time and time again, Bruce, a lot of what happens, what changes time and time and time. Yeah. Yeah. Add, add a couple of extra. The, 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 the solution to this, if you are a Republican, lies squarely in the governor's race next year. If Tony Evers is reelected, there will be no changes to election law in the state. If Rebecca Clayfish is elected, the, the Republican frontrunner at this point, there will most certainly be changes to Wisconsin election law. So, you know, as, as, as we will say, as we said last week, as we'll say next week, this story will continue. Stay tuned. <laughs> well, we have something similar uh, election wise. It's a campaign finance issue here in Michigan. And uh, the Republicans are up in arms because of a violation of campaign finance rules by the re-election committee for our current governor, Gretchen Whitmer. And uh, the judge basically ruled in the favor of Whitmer by saying uh, Republicans are just kind of sore because they didn't think of exploiting that loophole themselves. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen, and, and this is this is why staff attorneys in every state capital give up a couple of years so they can go and work for peanuts because they then are the masters of election law, of campaign finance law, of regulatory policy. Uh, you spend a couple of years in the trenches writing the laws. You know the four corners of the law, and then you know how to get around those four corners. And, and yeah, it's it, every time we, and I've written, you know, just like you, Bruce, I've written campaign finance stories for years and years and years. And, and every single one of them, I went to title the Campaign Finance Lawyer Employment Act of fill in the year because that that's what it is it is but no I, this is this is why you know when when the law is not clear there is always going to be somebody who is going to figure out how to walk on that line and and it, 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 the the evidence is overwhelming that that's what happened in Wisconsin now of course the elections commission and and many democrats who want to defend last year's election as pure as the driven snow, will come back and say, look, there's been review after review after review. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty is by no means a left-leaning think tank. And even they say there's no evidence of fraud that changed the outcome of the election. And yes, that's true. There's no evidence of fraud that overturned the election. But that's not saying that everything was hunky-dory, A-OK, -okay, and that we don't have you know, areas to clean up in 22. And then again in 24, because Wisconsin is going to be right back as one of the swing states in 2024. We could be talking about football, baseball, any type of sport here, that uh, there are those who want to enforce the rules and those who just want to change the rules or skirt them entirely. Hey, listen, it's Pete Rose. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> uh, good old Pete. So let, let, let's move along. And uh, there's education issues aplenty 
happening. And uh, I read an article this morning uh, in The Federalist, and it has to do with uh, uh, a certain subterfuge, it appears, with uh, the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. And I, I think you know what, what I'm referring to, so I'll just let you take it away because you are our expert on all things in the cheese state and uh america's dairy land uh no oh, that's is, it that's it this okay. is this is a, this is a really good piece written by by gabe kaminsky who uh writes a lot of stuff at the federalist here here out of wisconsin uh dan o'donnell who i work with also also does some stuff there this is par Thanks for the course I. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Sorry, Bruce. Didn't mean to leave, leave you off the list. Uh, this is sort of par for the course for the University of Wisconsin that they have been dinged for their, let's say, not so secret, secret speakers. There was a, a chancellor at, oh, was it was it Whitewater or or was it one of the, the smaller campuses out west? Maybe in Platteville, who who may have lost his job. They were calling for his job because he had a porn star come and speak on campus. And the the, the the sort of reaction from the public was, well, this guy was just a fan and saw an opportunity to spend university money to get her on campus. I, so I, I don't know who at, at, at UW-Milwaukee is a fan of, of Ibram X. Kendi. And, and Kendi, if you don't know, is one of the leading authors, thinkers, proponents. speakers, proponents of critical race theory, which is all the rage here in Wisconsin. And as, as Kaminsky reports, UW-Milwaukee paid him $45,000 to come and give a speech and a, and a meet and greet, uh, picked up his, his hotel and, and his, his meals as well, and then promptly deleted the video of this from their internal server. Universities are very technically savvy. They like to, to generally hold on to these things and say, oh, look here, they promote it on social media. And it turns out that as part of the contract, they couldn't keep the tape. Now, again, is, is this one of these things to, to draw the line from you know the Zuckerbucks to Kendi's speech? Is this illegal? Probably not. Is this something that should happen? Is this is this what you would do if you were proud that you brought Ibram X. Kendi to to, to the campus? Would, would you would you hide behind this non-disclosure agreement? Would you do everything you can to not answer questions about it? And the answer to that is is obviously no. Uh, but this is this is one of the the undercurrents with the University of Wisconsin. The, again, this is a state, purple state, where you have very, very liberal uh, enclaves in Milwaukee and Madison. Uh, the, the, you know, University of Wisconsin, Madison's the main campus. University of Milwaukee is the second largest campus. And so what happens in Milwaukee, what happens in Madison, the thinking there, the thinking on campus is much different than the thinking in the rest of the state, which means the thinking on campus is much different than the thinking inside the state legislature. And there had been for years this battle between a conservative state legislature and a very liberal university. Former Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson took over as president at the University of Wisconsin and put an end to a lot of this stuff. Tommy, whether by hook or by crook, convinced the campuses to tone it down, to tamp it down, to not, you know, put the middle finger right in the face of lawmakers. And then maybe lawmakers would release the tuition freeze, would not would, would, would not be so interested in trying to enforce what is taught, how it is taught. And, and there has been sort of a detente 
during Tommy's tenure as interim president. It's one of the, the stories that, that needs to be told over and over and over again. Tommy Thompson has done a fantastic job of, of, of saving the University of Wisconsin from himself. This is all part of the backstory of this is going to do nothing but anger CRT critics, anger Republican lawmakers. This is as much red meat for the meat eaters on the right as Kendi is, what would it be, fresh tofu for the vegans on the left? <laughs> but this is one of these culture battles and $45,000 in the grand scheme of a university budget. It's listen, I wish I made that kind of money, 45 grand for one night speech. Hey, that's not bad, but it's not the money that's going to be the problem. It's not even that a, a university campus invited a radical speaker to come and, and talk to students. It is going to be the way that it was done and the way that it was covered up. As, as we learned from, from Richard Nixon, it's not the thing you do that gets you in trouble. It's the cover-up. And, and th that's what's going to have legs here. This, this idea of, of, of deleting the speech, of, of, of hiding behind the essential non-NDA, non-disclosure agreement, that's what's going to carry over. That's what's going to be bothersome. And by the way, this story comes as University of Wisconsin Regents are meeting today here this Thursday and, and, and tomorrow the Friday to decide whether or not they're going to raise tuition, not for in-state students, that would be radioactive, but for out-of-state students and for graduate students, the idea is to raise the rate. Uh, in-state students pay about $11,000 in tuition, just tuition. Uh, out-of-state kids pay $38,000. And so as, 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 as we, you know, we take, to put, put that 45 grand for candy in, uh, into perspective. It is, it is the tuition only from two kids from the state of Illinois who want to come up here and live the Madison lifestyle. But, uh, but again, yeah, this is, this is one of these things, small story that's going to have a big impact because again, if you are proud of what you do, if you are proud to have this speaker on campus, you, you, you don't delete the tape. Right. It, it, it's just a simple question of uh, transparency. And uh, again, I think you you nailed it on the head when you said that universities do that. They're uh, uh, a melting pot of different ideas, left, right, doesn't really matter. When I was in college back in the day, like way back in the day, uh, we would we sponsored at uh, my university speeches by a porn star, Harry Reams. We had Jane Fonda and some of her films you might consider to be somewhat pornographic, <laughs> but uh, uh, she spent a lot of time talking about Dow Chemical and how they were no good nicks because of Agent Orange and her stance against the Vietnam War. And Dow Chemical responded the next day by withdrawing all of its money from all the labs in the science department at CMU, Central Michigan. So that was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And uh, a week after that, I'd see Judith Chris, the film critic. And a week after that, I'd see Tip O'Neill, which uh, was a lot of fun. And um, G. Gordon Liddy. So, uh, it, it, but it was, in those days, there was nothing that to be, nothing had to be hidden. You mm -hmm. just say, okay, if this is your cup of tea, go see it, listen to it and see what they have to say. Uh, but um, I guess that was in a more bucolic pastoral time when people actually were classical liberals and that they could listen to another point of view and not rip their hair out. 
when, when you could expect young adults to act like adults and and not act like petulant children well i don't i don't want to watch this tv show no it's my no i'm not going to let you watch this tv show either i i'm sure there were speakers at illinois state when i went i, I didn't go I wasn't in I wasn't in college to hear from 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 some extra professor. I already went to the classes that I had to. I wasn't going to extra classes at night for, on my own nickel. Uh, but no, it's yeah. This is this well, is one well, of Ben. The if, if if you if you weren't going to these lectures, you were not getting dates. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that 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 is that is also one of the other realities of of my college time. Listen, I got into radio because a buddy of mine told me I could meet girls. He failed to tell me that I had to be a DJ. Uh, be, being a news guy is not necessarily filled up my date card, but uh, you know, I will, I will save, I will save my first world problem complaints for uh, for an extra special episode of Wisconsin in Focus. Sounds good. Sounds good. I look forward to it. So let's 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 move ahead. We were talking about uh, transparency in terms of the UW. What about this Governor Evers who has vetoed a classroom transparency proposal? Yeah, it's this this is one of these things that's not surprising. This is as much as anything. And and on the same day that he vetoed the the, the classroom transparency act, he vetoed a number of of abortion laws. And and all of those were doomed from the start. All of those were pure political posturing so that Republicans can go back and run on the right to life and, and paint Tony Evers uh, as, as being pro-abortion. This one actually had a lot of support. The the, the classroom transparency act had a lot of support except for where it counted in the teachers union and in the state's department of public instruction. Governor Evers, by the way, before he was governor, he was state superintendent of schools and he has proclaimed himself the education governor. And so Republicans and advocates were very quick to point out that the education governor just told parents they have no right to see what their kids are learning in the classroom. And the governor's excuse for this, because what this Transparency Act would do is it would require schools to essentially post a syllabus. Beginning of the year, here's what you're going to learn if your kid takes English 2. Here's the book we're going to read. Here's the workshop. Here's the, here's the homework. Here's all this stuff that they're going to do. And that's so that parents can take a look and make sure that they aren't their kids aren't learning something that they wholly disagree with. I mean, again, you have to put this in terms of not just critical race theory, but but gender, social and emotional learning. There are all manners of different things now in public schools in Wisconsin that parents didn't have when we were in school. My 12 year old's curriculum looks vastly different than what I had when when I was in school. And so it's under that backdrop that Republicans pushed this through. And unsurprisingly, because the educational bureaucracy didn't like this, the governor vetoed it. This does open up a new avenue to criticize this governor for once again being secretive. And that's part of a theme here among the friends on the left, as advocates will say in Wisconsin. And just education became such a hot button issue just a couple of months ago, I mean, we were looking at a at a recall in, in Mequon Fiendsville schools. You, you've got school boards across this state where you, you have candidates for the first time who are openly saying, I'm anti-CRT, I'm a proud conservative, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And so this idea from the governor to veto this only throws more fuel on that fire. But heading into an election year, the bureaucrats who are in charge of schools, the unions that, that are in charge of schools, 
you know, they are some of the biggest spenders traditionally in every gubernatorial race. And you know, the, the governor made his choice. But yeah, th this means that, that, that parents now parents can go and ask their kids school. But this would have had schools put it on the website where moms and dads can go and take a look and know exactly what they're being taught. And, and in many cases, you hear this from, from both advocates and lawmakers who say that they get stories from parents all the time. Mom and dad calls up, say, hey, what, what, what's my kid learning in this class? And it's essentially a FOIA request. Well, you got to pay a fee and it's going to be a couple of weeks and we're going to know. And, and so this was a desire to, to eliminate that. But, you know. One more of the governor of, of Wisconsin is a very powerful veto pen, but he just vetoed this one outright. Well, you have children and they go to school. Mm -hmm. It's the law. So you send your children to school. Do, wouldn't there be a benefit to the school if their parents were aware of what the curriculum was or what was on the syllabus so that they could actually assist their own kids with uh, their schoolwork. Yes. This also would be a, a wonderful recruiting tool. There is open enrollment in Wisconsin. This is a tool that, that private schools who, who are part of the choice program will certainly use. Please look at what we teach your children, but to take this full circle and go all the way back to the beginning with UW Milwaukee and Ibram X. Kendi, if you're proud of what you're doing, you don't hide it. If you are hiding things, that, 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 that sends the signal that perhaps you are not proud of what it is that you are doing. Perhaps, you know, it, 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 there are some schools who don't want moms and dads to know what is going on in school. This is, this is why we've had a couple of lawsuits against a couple of different school districts for their secret at-school-only gender policies. And, and this, is, this is going to be one of the issues that of all of the things that will be thrown against the wall in next year's governor's race, this idea of schools and local control and letting moms and dads know, this one, this one resonates. This one is a wow county issue because wow county parents, you know, the, the, the Milwaukee suburbs, those are the ones who want their kids to, to do really well in high school so they can get into good schools in college so they can go and get good jobs. And when you're telling those parents, nah, you don't need to worry about what your kid's learning, that angers parents, that gets parents motivated, and motivated parents vote. Well, it's it, it comes across as patronizing and condescending. At, at, at best, at best. Yeah. Right. Well, there, there's a good quote that uh, you put in your story on this from uh, Senator Dewey Strobel. Is it, did I pronounce that correctly? Yep. Because yep. I, I know I, I know in Wisconsin, y'all uh, carry the O's and, and have. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have words that are just, you know, they seem obvious to everybody else in the country. Uh, but for you and then you have your own uh, Waukesha type <laughs> of uh, pronunciation. So um, I'm, I'm learning slowly, Ben. But anyway, uh, the senator said that zeal for the public's right to know apparently stops short of parents knowing what schools teach their children. I suspect many of his old school administrator buddies, and that would be referring to Governor Evers, would rather not face public scrutiny for the curricula they put together. I guess now we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, and again, I and mean, this is this is the the, the knock on the so-called education governor that he's he's more than willing to send money to schools. He's more than willing to 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 do what it is that, that, that is popular with teachers unions. But as far as allowing moms and dads, the people who are in charge of their children's education to know what their children are learning, the, the, the governor is coming up a little bit short.
Okay, well, let's let's pivot to a, a story that you posted this morning, and uh, uh, it, this is a new law that should mean fewer delays in getting a license to work in Wisconsin. Ah, yes, the the magic of 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 uh, occupational licensing reform. What one, one, one of my great joys. This is actually this is one of these stories that is it, it sounds very dry until you realize that in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, nearly a million people in 280 different professions. And remember, we got we got six million people in the state. One in six people in the state of Wisconsin. And that's not even including the people who work. I mean, that's that's kids and grandmas and everybody. One in six people in the state of Wisconsin needs essentially a permission slip from the state to do their job. Nurses, dentists, that makes sense. But you know, personal trainers, EMTs. You know, some contractors, some people who will come and decorate your home. All, all of these people cosmetologists, need a, barbers. A cosmetology. Yeah, if, if you if you want to cut right. hair, you have to go and, and get a government license that says you know how to cut hair, uh, which amazes me because some of the best haircuts I've ever had were at a buddy's house. But this is this is an this is a push, and, and the Badger Institute was was really heavily involved in this, where they rolled back and they they fast tracked essentially. The way that it used to be is you had to wait for your licensing board to meet, and sometimes they would meet once a quarter, sometimes they would meet once a year, and that delayed it. Now this, the state's administrative office is going to handle this, and if they say no, you, you shouldn't get a license, then there'll be a hearing, and then you sort of go through the full process. But if there's no objection, you either just get your license or they they stamp it and you should have your license in about 10 days. It, it, it takes care of the 90 something percent of people who apply, pay their fee, get their license. It takes it takes them down from waiting several months to just two weeks. And, and that is especially when Wisconsin has a worker shortage, especially when Wisconsin needs people like teachers and doctors and nurses. We just called in FEMA to, to help with the spike in coronavirus patients. Uh, it helps get those people working faster because not only is this for new workers, this is for people who move across state lines, live in Illinois, now you move to Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, you know, all of our neighbors, Iowa. Uh, this allows people who move into the state to work faster as well. And, and this is just as, as Michael Jar over at the, the Badger Institute said this is eliminating one more government roadblock. Well, we're out of time for this week's podcast. I'd like to thank Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount for explaining it all to us. And we can, you can find all of the Center Square's podcast and articles at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. I'm the Center Square's Midwest Regional Editor, Bruce Walker. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.